I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 493 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, Dad, so far this week, we went from the skate park with Tony Hawk to the gridiron with Megatron Calvin Johnson, and today we are going to hit the baseball diamond. I've got an incredible guest for you guys, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer and arguably the greatest hitting catcher of all time, Mike Piazza, joins me on First Class Fatherhood today. It's an honor to have Mike on the podcast today. My absolute favorite memory of him is actually my favorite baseball memory of all time, and that is when he blasted a two-run home run 10 days after the 9-11 attacks. Uh, I still get goosebumps just thinking about it. Shea Stadium was packed with many first responders and their families. All the Mets players were wearing FDNY and first responder hats. It was just an incredible New York moment, incredible baseball moment, incredible American moment. And Mike Piazza finished his Major League Baseball career with a 308 batting average, 1,335 RBIs, and four. 427 home runs. He's an absolute legend. It's a big honor to have him on the podcast. Mike Piazza will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's conversation with Mike Piazza was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the Major League Baseball legend and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you guys are new to the podcast here, please go check out some of the interviews I've done with so many awesome dads on the podcast here, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Dana White, Tony Hawk, Matthew McConaughey, and so many others. And we are rolling into the Father's Day weekend here, but every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. I would just like to wish all of you listeners out there a very happy Father's Day. I cannot say thank you enough for all your love, support, and encouragement over the years here. It's been three years since I started the podcast here. And if you guys are up early on Father's Day, come check me out. I'll be interviewed on Fox and Friends talking all about first class fatherhood if you guys are enjoying the podcast please hit me with that rating or review it always goes a long way to help me out and as always guys please help me spread the word about the podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life fatherhood rocks family values rule and every day is father's day right here with me and i'm going to be right back with mike piazza i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood All right, Dad, sports stadiums are beginning to fill up once again. Concerts are coming back, and Broadway shows will be here before you know it. It's time to take your kids to an event and start making memories once again. And there's nothing wrong with saving a few bucks while you do it. My partnership with SeatGeek means that you can save $20 off your tickets by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, at SeatGeek.com or on the SeatGeek app. Let's go, dads. We've been cooped up way too long here. It's time to start enjoying sports and entertainment again the way they were meant to be experienced, live and in person. Visit SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS at the checkout and save $20 off your tickets. A gift for first-class fathers from first-class fatherhood. Joining me now, first-class father, Mike Piazza. Welcome to first-class fatherhood. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right, let's, uh, let's hit it like this. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have three kids. Uh, I have a 14-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old daughter, and a 7-year-old son. Very cool. What kind of sports or activities are they all into? Well, my oldest, uh, well, as you well know, probably the pandemic has been tough for extracurricular activities. 
My oldest daughter wanted to run track. Um, she was running track a little bit. Um, years ago, she was into ballet. She kind of grew out of that because I get. I guess they get to a certain point where they have to do point shoes, and it's kind of hard on the feet. And uh, she was really into it. But then um, she started running a little bit, and, and she's just generally just trying to basically she, – she's actually very well fit. And uh, when things get – quote unquote, hopefully back to normal. We'll see if she's going to get into that again. My my younger daughter, she uh, is a dancer as well. They dance in Italy at a club there. Um, they've been doing it online, Zoom stuff. And now I think it'll start back up probably in the fall. And my son right now is just is playing soccer. So he's playing calcio in Italy. And uh, it's really good for him. I mean, obviously learning Italian and dealing with Italian coaches and players and things like that. So um, it's it's really funny to watch him to play out there. Eventually, I'll get him into baseball a little bit, but right now he's only seven. So I mean, I play catch with him, and he hits a little bit, but uh, that's pretty much it on the uh, the athletic front. Yeah, very cool, Mike. And if you could just take one minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background. Yeah, well, I'm originally from uh, the Philadelphia area. I grew up in uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania. Uh, my my father is. Uh, Italian American. He's uh, uh, was in the car. He's a car dealer. He was a car dealer. We're in the car business there and and uh, real estate. Um, my mother is from. Uh, it's called Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. And uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a would be a typical '70s style suburban household. You know, my mother was a, a devout Catholic, and she made sure we went to church every Sunday and did the sacraments and. Um, uh, you know, my, my father was like any other typical dad at that time, you know, introduced baseball to myself and uh, and it ended up getting better and, and working hard and becoming an all-state baseball player. Eventually found my way down to Miami where I had a partial scholarship at the University of Miami. I didn't play that well there, but uh, played there one year and then I transferred to junior college, Miami-Dade, and I was signed by the Dodgers out of junior college. And four years in the minor leagues and eventually made my way to the major leagues and, and had a pretty good run, had a pretty good career. I was very blessed. Yeah. You had a legendary career, Mike. It's been exciting to watch you over the years and along this journey that you did have, Mike, about how old were you then when you first became a father and how to becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, that's interesting. I was uh, pretty much a bachelor my whole career uh, in the major leagues. And uh, for a number of reasons, I mean, number one, it, it's a very difficult life to to have a family. Uh, I was very dedicated, obviously, to my job. And um, I wanted to be kind of financially secure before I had uh, at least had a family. But I got later in my career. I think I got. I think I had got married around 36 or 37. Uh, my wife's from California, and then a year later, we 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 started our family. Um, but yeah, I mean, I tell guys today that uh, you don't have to be in a hurry. I mean, I know a lot of guys that had kids in their early 20s and mid 20s. Guys I played with, but. Uh, Life expectancy is longer. I think we have uh, more, we're more active in our later years, whereas years ago, maybe 50s and 60s would be considered old, and now it's not. Uh, so I tell guys all the time, you know, make sure, number one, you're emotionally um, mature enough to have a family, also financially uh, able to have a family, and then 
time-wise have the time to be able to put into a family as well because you know children are very impressionable and they really just need you around i mean they you don't have to be my whole thing is you don't have to be perfect you just have to be there you know, very well said, Mike. I, I talk about on my show all the time about the fatherless crisis that we have going on. We got so many kids that are growing up without a dad in their life, and it's having a devastating effect on our society. And those factors could be at play, just like you mentioned there, kid, people that are having kids too young that aren't ready, aren't married, aren't financially ready to do it. And, and they're leaving these responsibilities, and it's leaving a big void in our society. And, and how much would you say then, Mike, did uh, starting a family, having kids, how much did that play into your retirement from baseball or was it time for you to go? How much did having kids play into that? Well, it was a little of both. I mean, I was kind of past my prime and, and playing the position of catcher physically. It was, uh, it was a very demanding position. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I had my, my first daughter, I think it was 2007, and I decided to play one more year in Oakland. Um, but, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily, I just stopped because I was <laughs> starting a family. I could, if I could have pushed it another few years, I could have, but you know, the game sometimes has a way of telling, showing you the door, I always say. And my personality is such, you know, I never wanted to be that last guy that, you know, is at the party when the lights go on, you know, I just kind of wanted to, to kind of do my thing and, and slide out on, on uh, you know, I, I always love this expression, go out on your own terms. I don't think anybody really goes out on their own terms. You know, I think it's a question of mother nature and, and time kind of shows you the door. And then myself, I always I had a very high standard for myself. And then once I felt like I never really could achieve the, that level again, I didn't want to be uh, like 70, 60 percent of my former self. So uh, I think you have to be. As a, another thing is emotionally um, self-aware and realize that as an athlete, you can't play forever and you have to go on to different things and you should have different interests. And some guys go back to school. Obviously, some guys work, some guys go into broadcasting. Uh, myself, um, coming from an entrepreneurial family, I was lucky that I had the business interests like, you know, the car, the car stores and, and real estate. And so I was able to kind of slide back into uh, what I would call just normal life. Yeah, good stuff, Mike. And then what, what would you consider to be the uh, the top values that you're hoping to instill in your kids as they grow up? Well, I think, uh, as you well know, probably girls and boys are a little different uh, in the way you approach them. You know, with my with my daughters, I just want to give them the confidence uh, that they are good enough and that um, they just have to. Uh, what I want to instill to them is basically that I'm always there for them. I want to show them discipline. I want to show them the importance of education and self-development. And then if you achieve these factors, hopefully as they mature in life, they'll achieve like-minded, uh, a like-minded mate, eventually someone who has those same values. I, I truly believe that uh, we as human beings sort of find the level that we uh, develop ourselves. And, um, you know, I, I years ago, I think you get into a situation where, where you, you, gotta, you can't really rescue someone, you know, I think you have to kind of be strong yourself and 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 sort of undertake people for the way they are and realize you can't change people. And um, with my son, you know, boys are different. I mean, I think the stress level with girls is low early. They mature faster. And then as they get older, maybe the stress level increases. And with boys, they're stressed, you know, because they're so hyper that 
maybe when they get older, I think the stress level decreases. So um, it's it's an interesting journey, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, uh, you know, I just I adore my daughters. I mean, we 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 really and communication, I mean, is the big thing. I mean, I, I want to be there and have those difficult conversations about boys and things like that, which is not always easy, but I have to kind of be there because I want them to have the trust that they can approach me with those things. Yeah. And Mike, talking about the differences, I have three boys and one girl. She's my baby. She, we got her on the end. So uh, one thing that's different with me is the way that I discipline. I find myself disciplining my boys a lot different than I discipline my daughter. My wife constantly gets on me. I'm trying to improve where, where I don't give in all the time with my daughter. So what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, my dad, my dad's discipline style that he grew up was a lot different than mine. But I mean, we, we would get the smack occasionally. The the uh, the reminder of uh, that when we did do things wrong or screw up, we would we would get the physical discipline. Now, obviously, you can't do that. It's society has evolved and you have to be very careful uh, um with with girls, I think I try to get them to um, sort of enter, sort of take things internally and process it. And uh, there's nothing wrong today with saying, look, this is wrong and I'm very disappointed in you. I think you have to use more logic and, and reason with, with girls. Boys, obviously, you know, I still smack them on the butt occasionally if he needs it. Um, I think that's harmless. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't want to... Obviously, you can't take it to the extreme, but I think that's just sort of a ruffling of the feathers, kind of hurting their pride a little bit and letting letting them know who's in charge. Um, They need to know who the boss is. And at that point, I think they kind of most kids will come back in line pretty well. But you're right. I mean, I think that the biggest thing is just to um, talk about it with the girls uh, for me and just say, look, if they do this wrong or if they stay out past the time or they don't check in, I say, look, you, this is the rules. These are the rules of the house. When you have your own family and your own house, you could have your own rules. But as long as you're in this house, these are the rules. And if you don't abide by them, you, you know, now what do you do? You just take their phone away, I guess. That, that's the ultimate discipline. <laughs> Yeah, we, we use that technology like currency around here. Yeah, you can get them to do just about anything for more screen time. It's crazy. It's true. But I guess you got to use the tools you have, right? Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned there, too, that you grew up. Your mother was a devout Catholic. Mine was as well. Uh, I, I lost both of my parents before I became a dad myself. But that's one thing that I, I've carried over is my mother's, um, you know, uh, Catholic, uh, Catholic faith. And I bring that into my kids. How much of, uh, of your uh, parenting involves uh, your faith with the kids? Well, I'm happy to say that uh, my oldest daughter just got confirmed this week. Uh, so we came back to Miami. It was an amazing uh, ceremony. And uh, yeah, you know, I go by that expression in the Bible that, you know, Jesus said, if you introduce children to me, then you, t- sh- you too shall receive me. So it's the same thing I was talking about, the rules of the house. And, and my, my mom said, look, as long as you live in this house, you have to go to mass, you have to do the sacraments. And when you're on your own, you can do what you want to do. I can't have, con- I don't have control of you then. And it's amazing how those things stick. And I, and I, for myself personally, it, it gives me an incredible sense of peace. It, it kind of sets things in order. And then you realize when you go through a stressful time in life that, um, that it's all going to be okay. Uh, it's a great way of just dealing with the ups and downs of life. I, I, it was a great counsel for me when I was playing 
to get through those difficult times. Uh, and with my children, it's been an extremely rewarding experience because I, I feel that um, it's like any other relationship. I mean, your relationship with God is like any friendship. It's like any sort of thing you care about. If you really care about it, you put effort into it. And I think people maybe have this misconception that you're going to get hit by a lightning bolt and God's going to say, no, you, it's like any friendship. And I heard a great expression one time that says, don't uh, make someone a priority when they make you an option. So it's the same thing with your faith life. You know, if, if you're going to make it an option, you know, God's not going to make you a priority. But if you make God a priority, then you're going to see it. And if your eyes are open, you'll see the benefits of it. Um, I've seen it already. I mean, I've seen it in my kids. I see the way they they understand morals and, and making the right uh, decisions. Um, and, and hopefully that will carry into their families as well. Yeah, and I love what you say there, Mike, too, about putting the time into it. I, I think, too, like, you know, when we want to have careers, we, we take years studying to be a doctor, a lawyer, or a baseball player, but we don't put any time into practicing how to be a husband, how to be a father. So uh, I think, especially, too, to, to, to with faith, like we put time into these things. I think the return on the investment uh, is so much bigger than the time we put in. So. Uh, I love what you say. I wanted to turn it over to baseball. I know right now when I was a kid, Little League was a seasonal thing. We did it once and that was it. Now it's a 365 days a year. Kids are out there playing baseball all year long. What kind of advice do you have? What kind of support did you get from your parents as your career developed? And what kind of advice do you have for the parents whose kids are looking to take baseball to the next level? Well, that's a good question. I think, again, the whole system has changed significantly. When, when you were a kid and I was a kid, we had Little League and eventually went into uh, junior junior high and then high school baseball and American Legion. And now everything seems to be these travel teams and, and um, it's very intense. I think that the kids today get a lot of uh, very intense instruction and expectations at an earlier level at an earlier level, whereas for us, we would play up until a certain point, and then we'd go to the beach or go to the go to the shore and, and have summers of fun and things like that. But now these kids play the whole summer. Uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, I think the body and children are very resilient and they can take a lot of uh, um, a lot of sort of intensive training. But on the same note, I also hope that kids be kids, you know, and I tell parents all the time that a lot of kids who are probably good prospects, they just burn out because they get too much intensity, too, too, too young and they lose interest or they become just it, it's like a balance you have to strike. I mean, I guess it's it's a it's a balance between activity and then rest and fun and school so I, I don't envy these kids today. I mean, they juggle a lot and there's a lot of expectations. And then you have social expectations and a lot of them are on social media. And um, Life was more simple, simple <laughs> when I was young. And it was just, you know, play a little league game. We get a hot dog. We go to get a Slurpee and then we go to the beach. I mean, now it's like they're on their computer all the time and they're worried. They're talking with kids all over the country and they're doing their TikToks and stuff. And it's weird. I mean, it's like something I can't relate to. So. I mean, I tell parents, you know, and, and a lot of parents come up to me talking about, you know, my kid's going to, he's a great player. He's going to, and I'm like, I hope, I hope he does. I hope he turns out to be a major league player, but you do have to kind of bend, don't break. And I do see a lot of parents, unfortunately, I think that have just broken their kids or kids that have broken themselves because they just, they just flame out when they need to just take more time to relax and enjoy life. 
Yeah, good stuff, Mike. And and then uh, just because we're on the topic here, what do you think of these new rules that are in Major League Baseball now as far as the doubleheader, the doubleheader being seven, seven innings and then also starting a guy on second base for extra innings? What's kind of your opinion on these new uh, Major League Baseball rules? Uh, I don't like them at all. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, it, I, I say it all the time. You know, I don't want to come across as like, what's the word? I'm like judgmental or just but but. I don't know. It's to me, it's not baseball in a way. It's like you start with a guy on, and you know, I'll never forget one time we went on this road trip where we went to Philadelphia, New York, Montreal, San Francisco, and Eric Harris's parents came on the trip and they traveled with us. And when we landed in San Francisco, they weren't even playing, and they looked like that they were, you know, got hit by a truck. And Eric's dad said to me, "I don't know how you guys do this and play." And I said, we just do it. You just have to get through it. And now everything is about, it just seems like every, and I don't mean this in a bad way because they're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Soft, but they're very pampered. And I think part of athletics and baseball is you just got to grind. You have to go out there and grind. So I know they're in a lot of competition for the space with, you know, other sports and other sports are faster and the attention span of society is a lot less today. I get that, but I think you just sometimes have to let it out there and, and people will get on and, and understand it. I, I don't like those rules. I think it's it's not a good thing, but uh, it's just my opinion. Yeah, and obviously you crushed it in baseball yourself, Mike. What was it like for you to finally get um, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame? And what was it like to share that moment with your family? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it's it was an amazing day. And um, I mean, again, I had to wait a few years. I waited a few years. I was getting closer and closer. But I tell people as well, you know, sometimes that's good because it made me appreciate it more. And when you go through a time to where you're having you're getting frustrated because you don't feel like you're getting anywhere or you're having a hard time, I say that's good. I mean, because you truly don't appreciate something if you don't work for it. You don't. I'm sorry. If it's given to you easy, you just don't appreciate it as much as if you have to pay the price and really earn it. Uh, and that's one of the values today. I think it's a little lost in society. I think people are a little bit more entitled quicker. You know, they want things quicker, you know, right away. They don't want to wait. They don't want to climb the ladder. They don't want to pay the price. Um, expressions, you know, sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. But th you don't hear those things <laughs> anymore today. Everything is instant gratification i want it now i want it i want uh you know i don't want to wait for it and um unfortunately maybe it's causing a little bit of a devaluation of achievement today and um yeah i think things come around in cycles so i think eventually these things will will come back to 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 center yeah, well said. I couldn't agree with you more. I think I think this every kid gets a trophy philosophy has been a colossal failure, and I think it's done more harm than good. Well, it's uh, funny it, you say that. A real quick story is my brother was on his Little League team, and he was playing right field, and he went to go after a fly ball, and the ball hit him in the head and bounced up like 10 feet. And he said, from that moment on, I knew I, wanted, I had to be a lawyer. So, <laughs> you know, it's like you find out by defeat. And there's lessons in frustration and there's lessons in failure. And so you're right. I think this whole, oh, we, we have to be very careful. We can't offend anybody. We have to make everyone, you know, give everyone a trophy. It's just, it's not, uh, it doesn't build strong character, in my opinion. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah, I think like a guy like Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team and that lit a fire under him. And that could have changed the entire trajectory of his whole career. If that hadn't happened, then he just got, you know, maybe he doesn't get that ignition there. You know, you never know how that how that works out. So and obviously. Obviously, you're going to go down. I mean, your legacy is secure in baseball, one of, if not the greatest hitting catcher of all time. But what do you want your legacy to be as a dad? Wow, that's that's a deep question um, that I was just I, I was there. That's all. I, I wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. But I, I think children, um, children just need you there. I mean, I tell guys all the time, you don't have to be perfect, but the little things mean a lot. Uh, taking them to school, taking them to, to get ice cream, just listening to them because you listen to the problems and you're like thinking, uh, OK, this is not exactly rocket science. You know, they're talking about um, the shoes they wear and things. And you're like, are you serious with this? But, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of, you have to be there and you have to listen and they just need they need to know you're there for them. And. I believe this wholeheartedly is that dependency builds independence. So the fact that they will be there for you and and cling to you when they need you will allow them to you know build their own lives. But if you're not there, they have nothing to cling to, then they'll be spending their whole lives searching for that thing they never got. And that's not a healthy uh, that's not a healthy life. Yeah, well said, Mike. And then what, what are your plans or goals here uh, for the future? What kind of what kind of uh, projects you're working on? What do you got coming up for you? Well, as I said, we're in the in the car business in Philly. If you need a car, we'll give you a great deal. It's called Piazza Auto Group. We're online. You can look us up. Um, you know, my wife and I, we moved to Italy uh, a few years ago. So it's really interesting to see my kids. They're fluent in Italian now. They're learning French. So uh, it's been a challenge, obviously, the last year with the pandemic, traveling and things of that nature. But uh, it's been a very it's an amazing experience living in Europe. Um, love coming back here for, you know, to visit and holidays and things like that. Um, I work with the Mets. You know, we this year we're getting back into it with the pandemic, hopefully being behind us. You know, I do a lot with the alumni and community relations. So, um work with the sponsors with the Mets and and I really love my relationship with them and um, that's about it man just enjoying life fine wine good pasta and uh, you know it, it's just uh, you know family faith faith family and friends is my model yeah right on with that Mike and the last thing I'm going to hit you with here you may have touched on it a little bit as we were talking but the, uh, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening uh don't stress. Um, they they're they're not going to break. Um, you're going to make mistakes. There's no perfect blueprint to being a good dad. That just be flexible, um, be patient, be kind, and uh, just just be there is the most important thing. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Mike Piazza, you're a first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. I hope to see you again. God bless, man.
back to wrap things up here at First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Mike Piazza for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. This week has been a real banger. I hope you'll go back and check out all the guests that joined me here, including skateboarding legend Tony Hawk, NFL Hall of Famer, Megatron, Calvin Johnson was here. And if you go through the archives of the show, you're going to find so many incredible dads. No matter what you're into, you'll find a dad that you're interested in listening to. If you're up early on Father's Day, come and check me out. I'll be interviewed live on Fox and Friends. I hope you guys have a great Father's Day weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.